Welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. My daddy. And here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jerry Springer. Oh, please. How nice you are. We ought to have, like, you know, a written exam because we say a brilliant studio audience. To test them as they come in the door? Yeah, everybody, get, you know. I mean, I wouldn't be able to Did come Gene in. Did Gene and I have to take it? <laughs> oh, you got it. You are the only one who might pass. <laughs> you it. got a fat chance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but it's brilliant. And thanks for coming. That's yeah, really neat. Yeah, it's a good crowd tonight. It's a very nice crowd. Great yeah. crowd. Hey, is there nothing else going on in town? <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with you? Get a life. It's election night, actually. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it, is. it is election as night. As we're recording this. Hey, by the way, I always occasionally like to remind people to go to our website, jerryspringer.com, and any time other than when we're live streaming, which is, and the schedule is up there as to when we're doing that, uh, we have a constant, we jokingly call it the Jerry Springer Radio, but it's a constant loop, a mm-hmm. long loop, over two years, music, yeah. worth of music from the people recorded here when they yeah. were on the podcast. We have later in our episode, Joybird from Chicago. Yeah. Let's hear it for Joybird. And they are an example of one of those groups. They're touring all over the country, and they uh, did a show here tonight at the Folk School Coffee Parlor here in Ludlow, Kentucky, and they'll be doing a couple songs later on. I did, as a courtesy to Jerry and you, Megan, <laughs> want to tell you yeah. uh, that this Thursday, 3.30, I believe, no, 345, I'm getting a haircut. I just want okay. to let you know that. <laughs> well, I'll set what my alarm. I, Do you get a haircut <laughs> or is there a finder's fee? <laughs> yeah. No, Jerry's hair still... is growing out a little bit from, from the week from last week's haircut. Yeah, yeah. that was yeah, that we got a lot to talk about here on this podcast, I yeah, tell you. Yeah, what. Really <laughs> hey, uh, well, in that same vein, Megan, uh, <laughs> Jerry Springer back in the day was was and maybe still is a guitarist. Oh, yeah? So when he was in, I guess, college and beyond college, you played the guitar yeah. and you performed, and we've talked about this before. In fact, this is interesting. Joy Bird is a group, a guy and a woman. Mm-hmm. Jerry was in a duo also here in Cincinnati. What was the woman's, what is the woman's name? Her, her name was, she may be married now, Linda Paffman, as I remember. Okay. God, if we could only find her. I'm serious about it. That would be phenomenal. That would be really cool. Yeah. You used she to play it like Blind Lemon and everything. No, she know. may have stories to tell. We don't need to find her. Tell us. Just tell us. <laughs> tell us a song that you and Linda sang. What's an example? Oh, well, we when sang. When you Oh, well, you know, Blowing in the Wind. I mean, oh, we did all that. The, the reason I played the guitar is to get dates. I mean, that, it was a social thing. I mean, that you, you go, to, I learned in high school, and only because that was the part of the Americanization of Gerald. Uh, <laughs> no, my parents were really That's into right, that. baseball. And, oh, yeah, yeah, you would join the Little League, you'll join the Boy Scouts, you'll take guitar lessons, you'll go to summer camp, you're going to become Americanized. Wear okay? a bow tie to school. Yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> And the very first song I learned on the guitar was uh, Tom Dooley. But, you know, I went to the guitar, so I took basic guitar lessons. You learn four chords, six yeah. chords, whatever. Yeah. Very basic How'd songs. How'd that work for your then. dating life? 
Well, I didn't have any dates in <laughs> high school. I mean, that's true. I had zero. My honestly, my Phoebe first. Phoebe <laughs> She stood me up. Phoebe did. So really, I didn't start dating until college. And uh, but then the cool thing was, you know, it, so back then it was folk music. Yeah. It was you know 1961. So we were playing Peter Paul and Mary and uh, the Kingston Trio and all that kind of stuff. And honestly. You know, I was in a fraternity. I just thought it'd be, I was a pretty wimpy kid. But, you know, if I could stand up at the microphone and play some, you know. Cool the, the music. Gr- yeah. <laughs> and the, the, I was all excited because the girls were looking at me playing the guitar. Yeah. I was awful. <laughs> I was horrible. I was awful. Over the but, years, have you continued But then to I came to Cincinnati. Yeah. And I came to Cincinnati to practice law with a firm. But I didn't know anyone here when I first arrived. So, uh, and Mount Adams, if those oh, who yeah. are listening to us and they aren't yeah, familiar. Where I'm getting a haircut on, what did <laughs> yeah. I say? Uh, Thursday yeah, at Thursday. 3.45. Back then we referred to Mount Adams as kind of like the Greenwich Village of yeah. It still has Cincinnati. that little feel to it. Yeah. yeah. And they yep. had these clubs there, and there was this club there called Mahogany Hall. So I didn't know anybody. So one day, I weekend, I walked in there and I said, could I play here, you know, one or two nights a week? And so on Sunday nights and Tuesday nights. Um, Big bar nights. Yeah, but I, I couldn't play alone <laughs> because even if I could sing some of the songs, I wasn't a good enough guitarist. Jeez. I need someone who could really play the guitar and, and cover. And there was this young lady who was there at the club, and she says she played the guitar. So we And we recorded um, Bloodshot uh, not Bloodshot uh, yeah, yeah, I think we, we, yeah, we recorded Bloodshot Eyes and Darling Corey or something like that. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, no, Save the Union Terminal. That was Well, yeah, and that, and that related to that a historic too. train station that <laughs> was going under. And How did we get on this? This is a Cincinnati this? story, but, yeah. yeah, and you helped to uh, maintain that, keep oh, that from yeah, being what destroyed. Oh, yeah, boy, what a job I did. So you were telling... But, yeah, so I played the guitar basically as a social thing, not because yeah. I was this... Great musician, which I, but you played because you really loved the music, and you yeah, Gene can play. Well, I did the, the same City. thing you did. I mean, I was did in, you get any days? in the same time period. It helped. I needed all the help I could get too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I played in a folk trio. You were in a folk duo. I played in a folk trio, and we, uh, as they say, played out a few times and made a little bit of money. And to be honest, I wanted to be a folk. Celebrity. I wanted to be. Well, look where you are today. Clearly made it. I wanted. I really did. I mean, instead of being a pro basketball player or whatever, I wanted to be that. Yeah. And a lot of people did. I just thought this is God's truth story, just to say how I used the guitar to try to. When. I'm going to be sad. No, when I met (laughs) the the first moment in my life that I met Mickey, it was a blind date. Yeah. I go to pick her up. She answers the door, and I go, oh, wow. I mean, in my mind, I'm saying this is the marrying kind. But anyway, yeah. she invites me in because we're going to have dinner and, and then go out you know, to a movie. Okay. But lying there was a guitar. Yeah, she had a guitar, right? Right. So she okay. had a guitar just lying there. She, I don't know that she even knew how to play. And I'm sitting there. She's still getting ready. And what a loser I am. And I played, this is God's God, truth, with a British accent. <laughs> I played Mrs. Brown, You've Got a Lovely Daughter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was Herman's Hermits. And I, I say, imagine. You asked that me. Is sad, and, this is God's truth. I'm not making, you, who would you make this no up? You have no shame. Oh, of course I had no shame. You know that. <laughs> 
Duh. Wow. Have you not followed and my career? <laughs> what do you Fair. mean I have Fair. no shame? So you picked great. up a guitar in Nikki's that's home. exactly right, because I good. figured, well, maybe she'll like this. And Yeah. Well, she married you, so. God. That's interesting. She obviously has no taste. Oh, and she's such a lovely woman. Yeah, but she, <laughs> she doesn't hear well. So. <laughs> 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 In fact, she's got this hearing aid. I hate you. Don't even do it. Don't even do yeah. it. <laughs> how, how good is what it, Well, don't Cher? leave us hanging. she got a hearing aid. What, 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 yeah, what I, happened? Oh. It's the finest one money can buy. She, yeah, she told me this is the finest hearing aid money can buy. I said, yeah, what kind is it? She said, four o'clock. <laughs> I hate you. No. Hey, boy, <laughs> this is hostile. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's actually turned hostile. Hey, let me ask you one other question about, so over the years, have you, uh, I, I will admit, I have played guitar yeah, as good. poorly as when I started. No, I suck and I play no better than when I started. Then I got a dulcimer, a Seagull Merlin. It's a strumming dulcimer, so yep. you play it like you would a guitar. And I played last night, just me playing I do this constantly. It's it's just a thing. It's a relaxation thing, I guess. You have not over the years, because you think you've told me this. You have not stayed on the guitar or any other instrument not all really through your haven't. life. No, I really haven't. But yet, something happened the other day in Evanston where you have a home. I, one I, of your, I think, fourteen homes. Last yeah, count, no, this I was had. the one in Sarasota. Oh, this was in Sarasota. Okay, <laughs> well, so there you go. That's two. Anyway, <laughs> what happened? No, they opened a violin store there, and we were just walking. Saturday morning, they have like a market there, and we're mm -hmm. walking, and then we noticed, oh, this new place, and it's a violin store. And truthfully, I love listening to the violin. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I went in there, but I, you know, if I could learn to play an instrument, I'd want to play the fiddle so I could play country or uh, bluegrass music, you know, just basic mm -hmm. stuff. So I would, you know, Mickey said, well, why don't you take some lessons and... You know, that could be fun, and then we'll buy one of those things. And so I think I'm going to take fiddle lessons That'd be now. really cool. You I could take them here, you know. Yeah. They and then I would here. be paid more because I'd also do the final segment. <laughs> yeah, right. Wait, Wait, you get paid? Hold up. Let's talk about this business plan Wait, here, Gene. Wait a second here. And go off air real quick. I'll pay myself is what it turns out. This could be actually cool. Get 10 lessons under your belt. We'll give you 10. And then... Buy a fiddle, because you'd say they sell them. Yeah, there. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was looking at them. Yeah, <laughs> and that, and and uh, Joybird, uh, the the duo we're going to hear from later, uh, one of them is a fiddler. Yeah, so it's very common instrument, obviously. Oh yeah, we I just great love fiddler. the plaintive sound of it. In this you know, it's got a deep. Yeah, I love the sound of a fiddle. So yeah, we but, will have you on. No, well, sitting in with. We're somebody. trying to get listeners. Okay. Right. No. 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 I think that'll. That will actually be very cool. Uh, one other quick thing. There is this place in Cincinnati, and our audience, it, we in, want it to be, and it is national, but we record this in the greater Cincinnati area. Ludlow's across the river from uh, downtown Cincinnati. There's a jazz club in Cincinnati called the Greenwich Tavern. Been around forever. And they've been doing jazz there seriously from the 70s, so for a long time. And uh, my wife and I went there last week and it was amazing this is and there was a drummer in from new york city uh plays regularly at the village vanguard and uh mm -hmm. greenwich village for example and i was noticing the similarities 
the sounds are not the same, but there are great similarities between the roots music that we love and use in our podcast and the American, authentic American style of music, jazz. It's uh, just very do you Do either of you guys, have you followed jazz at all through your lives? Not I like, I don't can't say that I follow it, but I, I like don't either, it. by yeah. the way. Yeah, I like but it. But it's really interesting when you, especially if you go into a, and, and the Greenwich is, uh, it's in an urban neighborhood in Cincinnati, and it's where, it's just a real deal. It's People's Corner, which is in the oh, Walnut okay. Hills neighborhood sure. yeah. of Cincinnati. I have, and it's, like I say, been there forever, huh. and it is jammed. You go in there, the That's bar is rocking. It is every night. Yeah. A lot of jazz music goes on there. They just has a, they have a very successful business plan of embracing jazz for the entire That's cool. career of a business. Yeah. Do you play anything else, Gene? You just play guitar? That's it, guitar, and I played a little bit of banjo back in the day. Okay. Do you play an instrument? I play nothing. No, I okay. dated the boys that played instruments. Yeah, I gotcha. <laughs> so you were the one I was after. Yeah, I was bassists <laughs> and lead singers, man. Bassists yeah. and lead singers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. It was very specific. I played, <laughs> I played the tuba for a semester. And that's so hot. <laughs> All the girls knocking down the door for the tuba. Yeah, they throw their peanuts down my belt. <laughs> It's amazing that you're here today. It really is. <laughs> you know, uh, Donald Trump oh. has been among us <laughs> as our president that. for one year. This is kind of the anniversary yeah, this is, today. This is, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, the, the exact date was, as we're t- uh, recording this, would be tomorrow the 8th. But this the is election. the Tuesday. Yeah, exactly 52 January. weeks ago today, uh, tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, How about that? Is Yeah, that was... Well, that yeah, was... What's that make you, uh, as you look back on this year, what do you think? Well, that was, a year ago tonight, was the greatest electoral disaster in American history. And um, and I can't... Possibly the election of Buchanan, right before Lincoln, he was worse... But this is, I mean, Nixon's not even in his class in terms of the damage to the country and the possible, you know, what he's doing to the world. Um, It was the worst electoral, yeah, it was the greatest electoral disaster in American history. And because a man was going to now become president against the wishes of the American voter by three million People voted not to have him and to have Hillary instead, but that's not the system we have. So the will of the voters uh, was not followed. And in that time, we have there is a general acceptance. And when I say a general acceptance, I mean that every every single poll says that most Americans believe he's unfit. Most Americans believe he's crude that he's uneducated in on political issues, uh, that he disrespects the presidency, disrespects our institutions. I mean, job approval, you know, or disapproval, 60% of the American people disapprove of the job he's doing. His approval rating is never higher now than the mid to low 30s. So there is a general agreement. This isn't me being extreme or highly partisan or anything else. 
is if you came from another planet and suddenly looked at what was going on, you would have to go back and say the American people are stuck now with a president who is not one they wanted, and they are very, very, very unhappy with what he's doing. Then the question gets raised, if most Americans aren't happy with him, and if we know that he's unfit and dangerous, and when I say dangerous, the best example of the danger is what's going on now. He, he basically has done something which we can't undo. He has opened the nuclear world to Southeast Asia, where it was North Korea that had missiles, but now because of his taunting, because of Trump's taunting, and we can't stop it, we're going to wind up with South Korea, Japan, Vietnam, every one of the countries there now starting to get nuclear weapons and going ahead with it because they no longer can trust that America will be there to protect them, and also they can't trust North Korea either. So this is not something that, oh, if we suddenly get another president, we can fix it. It's too late. Once a country starts developing its nuclear weapons, as we all know, they're going to have them. That is the damage Trump has already done. So when he's damaged our national security, done deal. There's not an opposing point of view you can have on that. These countries are going to now have nuclear weapons. So we were living with a North Korea that is unstable, but at least they knew that if they ever did anything, you know, they would then be wiped out. So that was the deterrence that we had with the Soviet Union for 50 years. But now that's gone. Now all the countries, and who knows now, when all the countries there have nuclear weapons, who knows what sets it off. All right. So we have this guy who's nuts, as president, and dangerous. But wasn't our system supposed to have checks and balances? In other words, when you're in school, you kind of learn that if you have a president that's over the top, you've got the checks and balances of uh, the legislative branch, the Congress, the courts. There are ways to stop a president. Because, you know, Congress gets to vote the legislation, even if a president then vetoes, the Congress can override the veto. A Supreme Court has the ability to declare uh, acts of the president unconstitutional. The Supreme Court can check on Congress. Congress can check on the Supreme Court because it has to confirm uh, any appointment made to the Supreme Court. In other words, the whole system was built beautifully with checks and balances, to have a democratic system that therefore could, would survive and we would never have to worry about having a king. Then what went wrong? Well, what went wrong, and they couldn't have anticipated it, when they wrote the Constitution and it was passed in 1789, there were no political parties. We didn't have political parties in America until the election of 1800. So, you know, Washington was elected unanimously. Then comes John Adams, but there weren't political parties yet. The Federalists and the Republicans, which then ultimately became the Democrats, that came later. So what they didn't count on is that with all the checks and balances, what happens if all the institutions are held by the same party? 
That's the problem we have today. We have the Republican Supreme Court, the Republican president, the Republican Senate, the Republican Congress. So all the institutions are of the same political party. So all the checks and balances that you learned about in grade school or high school, they don't work. They don't necessarily work. It's almost like you have to self-enforcement. We are left now to hope that the Republicans can restrain a crazy president. I can only think of one example, at least in my lifetime, where there was the same kind of situation. And that time, just to show that on this issue we're not being partisan, it was the Democrats. In 1968, the Democrats controlled all the, all the institutions. The Congress, the presidency, the courts, a liberal court. And then we had Johnson go crazy with Vietnam. The Republicans could not stop him. They didn't control any of the institutions. So it required the Democratic Party, Democrats, to, in a sense, turn on their own president to say country is more important than party. So we, if you're anywhere near my age, we have seen in our lifetime an example of a political party willing to do that. And now when we have a crazy Trump and a dangerous Trump, never mind crazy, and by the way, this isn't liberal and conservative because Trump has no political philosophy. We're just talking about a man who's unfit to be president. That's what the real danger is. And now we have this waiting for the Republican Party, because they control it all, to stop Trump, whose finger is on the button. Any day can make all these other issues go away if there's suddenly war in Korea. You know, in the first day of the war, anywhere from 300,000 to a million dead people the first day, and we're not even talking about a nuclear war, It'd be like Cincinnati declaring war on Dayton. They're right next to each other. And we, we have, what, 250,000 uh, Americans over there in South Korea? And all our soldiers over there? You don't think you're going to have to have a draft if we have a Korean war? We don't have enough volunteers. We don't have a large enough army to fight a war. So our whole life, is going to change overnight with this crazy president. And we're just hoping that the rest of the world realizes he's crazy and doesn't take him at his word. Okay, so who can stop Trump? We said only the Republicans can. The Democrats don't have the power to do it. And to believe that you're going to have a Democratic Senate and a Democratic Congress and get an impeachment of Trump by the next year, it's... I think unrealistic to think all of that's going to happen. Pray God it does, but I don't think it's going to happen. So therefore, where are we? If this country is going to be saved from this crazy president, we have to turn to the Republicans and hope that there are enough Republicans that are of substance, love country more than party, and are willing 
to stand up to him. Now, the only Republicans that have done it so far are Republicans that are retiring or not running again. So, here's what I think should happen. And those of us in this area will know very well a person I'm talking about. I think, and I'm a lifelong Democrat, and will always vote Democrat, you know, unless there's a crazy person like Johnson was at the end. I want John Kasich to run for president of the United States in the Republican primaries. And I would say ahead of time, even if I was sitting in a room with him, I will not vote for you in a general election because we have different views. But John Kasich is an honorable, decent, patriotic, bright person. We have different priorities. I like Flake and some of those other guys challenging Trump. But if they challenge Trump, they're going to run as independents. And the best way to guarantee that Trump gets reelected is for some independent to run, because then the anti-Trump vote will be split and Trump will get in with his 34% base. So there has to be somebody challenging him in the Republican primaries for president. We can't get a senator to do it because they're all scared. They're all, you know, congressmen, you know, they're scared of their districts. But a governor who can't be governor again, such as Kasich, has nothing politically to lose and has some national stature because of his performance last time. I hope that well-meaning American citizens can convince him to run for president in the Republican primaries, even though it's difficult and even though he may probably lose. If he gets seriously challenged in the Republican primaries, he will not get reelected president. Because in the last century, no man has ever been elected, no president has ever been reelected who was challenged in, the, in his own primaries. None. They win their own primaries. They beat back the opposition, but they're so damaged then that they lose the general election. And the examples, of course, are Humphrey, who was an extension of Johnson, losing to uh, Nixon because of the challenges in the Democratic primary. Gerald Ford beat back Ronald Reagan in 1976 in the primaries, but then lost to Jimmy Carter. Ted Kennedy challenged Jimmy Carter in 1980, lost to Carter, but then Carter lost to Reagan. In 92, um, George Bush I was challenged by Buchanan. He beat back Buchanan, but then he lost to Clinton. So the way to beat Trump in a general election is for some substantive Republican of honor to run against uh, him in the primaries. That, barring some miracle about some other Republicans in the Senate standing up or congressional Republicans standing up and saying, you know, particularly the, all the Russian stuff comes back, that it's time to have an impeachment or something like that. That's our only defense. The checks and balances that the, our forefathers put in the Constitution will not work when there's one party controlling all of them, unwilling to stand up against a dysfunctional president. For the sake of our country, I hope someone like Kasich does it. Um, as Jean said at the top of our show this evening, we have with us Joy Bird, 
and this is the first time that they've been on as this group, but Jess McIntosh has visited us before. Is that correct, ma'am? Yep. Yep. She was here fiddling with us last year. So welcome back, yes. and we're happy Thanks. to see you. Thank How long you. have you guys been playing together? Uh, just about two years now. Okay, and you're yeah. from Ohio and Wisconsin originally. Who's yeah. from where? I'm from Ohio. You're from Ohio. What part? Uh, Columbus. Okay, excellent. Mm -hmm. And so Wisconsin and then. Wisconsin. <laughs> mm -hmm. And you're both in Chicago now? Yes. Touring, and that's what brought you through the Cincinnati area? Yeah. Excellent. This is our first time on tour as this group. Yeah. Excellent. So where have you been thus far? We've done just a little Midwest loop. So we went up to Wisconsin in my hometown in Milwaukee, and we swung around to Iowa and played at Folk Fest in Champaign-Urbana and Bloomington, Indiana, and then here. Very cool. Well, we're very excited. We heard you warming up, and we're very excited to have mm, you guys tonight. Thank you. <laughs> so we will have you go ahead and get started. Your first song this evening is called Long Time Exhaling. Yes. All right, thank let's you. hear it.
wonderful. Bravo! Bravo! So we have Jess McIntosh and Aaron Smith. And mm -hmm. how long have you guys, you said a couple years you've been yeah. playing together? All right, very cool. And you sound better than Jerry and Gene do on guitar and banjo. So <laughs> we do appreciate that. Well, we don't know that yet. Oh, yeah, we do. I can't <laughs> laugh at that. <laughs> so, Todd, like, what, what brought you to this sound? Like, what are some of your influences that brought you to this specific sound? Because it's lovely. Thank you. I, someone told me in the other room that they, we reminded them of this duo Kahalen Morrison and Eli West, and I was so honored. Yeah. But that, I think, that sort of modern take on traditional music is what lured me into creating these kinds of sounds. Um, like when I was in high school, Nickel Creek and things like that, growing up in the Midwest, and then living in East Tennessee and having friends who grew up in like sat knee to knee and played fiddle music and traditional music really like kept me going with it. Yeah. You know, I referenced duo a couple weeks ago we had another duo on yeah. and this group out of canada ian and sylvia do you know of them Beautiful. i don't know it's I think so. again very similar yeah. and i have to tell you something and i'm not saying this is good or bad it's just a fact your <laughs> singing tonight is exactly <laughs> what i heard in the 60s professional uh, folk singers who were making a lot of money hitting a lot of college campuses but it is, it, to me, that's wonderful that the sound and the, the, just the cultural sound is exactly the same. Mm -hmm. it, it hasn't, I don't know, the, I'm not saying it's, it hasn't progressed. It's, it it's sort of like jazz though. again. Yeah. You can hear jazz in the 60s. You can hear it 2017, and some things don't change. They're just, mm. they're givens. They're, they're the yeah. core. So uh, that's a compliment, though, to Thank say you. that. It sounds yes. awesome. Yeah, it's timeless. It just doesn't age. It's beautiful. So if you'd like to hear some more of their music, you can check them out at joybirdmusic.com. And again, this is Jess McIntosh and Aaron Smith, and they do have a second song for us this evening. What are you singing for us next? This was one we call the December song. <laughs> well, yeah. December is calling and the wind's begun to whine and your heart is part of mine but darling don't get buried down cause it's too cold to dig us out and the It's no matter 
taking fiddle lessons. No. You have, that is not going to happen. No, just, that's awesome. But you just saved me a lot of money, so thank you very much. And his wife, a lot of headache. Mickey oh, doesn't these things hit. won't work like that. Yeah, that is awesome. So their first album was tall, entitled Light La- oh, Long Time Exhaling. You guys are working on your second one now. Yeah. We look forward to it. That was wonderful. Yeah, it that really was cool. great. So Can't wait to hear it. And again, check them out at joybirdmusic.com. And unfortunately, we're going to ask if you would allow our uh, Jerry Springer yeah. to sing with you this evening. And uh, here we go, yeah, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. You'll change your <laughs> Down mind by pretty quickly. The riverside. <laughs> this could be brutal. You can also hear them on our website, Jerry Springer. Yeah. What are we? JerrySpringer.com now. And you're all lucky enough to watch a career go down the drain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. listening to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, recorded live at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song, and to you for listening. Check out our website at jerryspringer.com. Down by the riverside, down by the 